Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It is the daily. It is Monday. It is time for a new week. And these guys over here, Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham, were working a lot harder than I was on Sunday. They were globe trotting around to check out some uh, recruits at some big time events. So we're going to get into that. It's a little bit uh, of me taking over hosting duties for a talking stuff uh, episode for Berm. I hope that's okay. It's probably going to be recruit heavy today, right, Berm? I love it. Um, I think that's what everyone wants all the time. That's the way it should always be. Uh, let's only talk about recruits for the next four months because not going to be a lot of Ohio State football to talk about. Well, we're probably going to get into a decent amount of NFL draft talk this week, and uh, Berm and I will have some coverage of that uh, in a little different way later on. But I also would very much like to talk about the uh, insanity that's going on with C.J. Stroud. We'll probably do that uh, for the podcast daily on Tuesday because we're going to need, uh, I think, probably a full episode to get into that nonsense. Uh, we shouldn't do that today. Bill, where did you go on Sunday? I went to beautiful Maslin, Ohio, uh, in glorious northeast Ohio, uh, near near my old stopping grounds up there in Cleveland for the Elite 11 Regional. Uh, there were probably like 50, 40, 40-ish, 50 quarterbacks there. Ryan Day was there, uh, which was interesting. Uh, mm. And a, a couple of uh, interesting prospects, uh, some that Ohio State is potentially interested in, uh, some that they're not but are very good. So it was uh, it was an interesting day. I, I enjoyed I, I don't get to go to a, a lot of recruiting camps, but I enjoyed myself. There's a little bit of a unique loophole there that Ryan Day's allowed to get some extra scouting in. What And why was that? Yeah, so uh, his son, RJ, who is an eighth grader <laughs> and is not going to be in high school until next year, and I think under any other circumstances would not have been invited to an Elite 11 regional, uh, was there to work out. So so dad could go and watch him, and it just so happened that RJ was put into a group with the two in-state players in 2025, uh, Ryan Montgomery Ryan Montgomery, excuse me, and Tavian St. Clair, uh, all of them, and and Nathan Bernard, the 2026 quarterback from Ashland, like the three biggest in-state players were all in the same group as Ryan Day's son, which I'm sure was just a total coincidence. Wow. What are the odds of that happening? <laughs> Pretty high. It happened last year when uh, RJ was a seventh grader, too. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice. It's, it's, good. it's good work if you can get it. Um, Berm, were you – so you were at uh, the Rivals camp down in Cincinnati – were you frustrated that you couldn't be in both places at once? Uh, no, I mean, I'm frustrated that I, it was freezing. Uh, we were at Winton Woods High School um, in Cincinnati and beautiful you know, venue. They do a great job down there at Winton Woods, obviously a, a school that's been good to Ohio State in the last handful of years. Jerron Cage, Mayan Williams, Jermaine Matthews. Um, Ohio State is, is still recruiting that school very hard. 2025 linebacker Justin Hill um, was one of the stars of the day at the Rivals Camp Series down there, but uh, it was a little frustrating that these events are scheduled on the same day because, unfortunately, it takes away guys like Ryan Montgomery and Tavian St. Clair and Jamison Kitna and, um, and Nathan Bernard and Stone Saunders, who's from Pennsylvania, one of the better quarterbacks in the Midwest and, and Eastern um, footprint for the class of 2025. None of those guys were at the Rivals camp. So the quarterback play there uh, in Cincinnati was a little bit under par or, or, you know, not under par, because under par is good. Uh, it was over par, uh, subpar. See, that's subpar. a weird thing. That's weird to say something is subpar, but it means not good enough, because subpar is what you're aiming for on the golf course. 
<laughs> we should probably have a conversation about that another time. But, um, you know, <laughs> when you have inconsistent quarterback play at these camps, it leads to a difficult evaluation with wide receivers, with defensive backs, et cetera, because you're not getting a true, real, like, mm-hmm. best of from your quarterback. So. So what positions were you uh, most closely evaluating? Uh, I mean, there were a lot of players there that have Ohio State offers. Uh, Aaron Scott was there, the number one ranked player in the state of Ohio, the cornerback from Springfield. He was there. Um, he had won the MVP of that camp last year, was an MVP again on Sunday. Really good group of offensive linemen and defensive linemen, including borderline five-star Marquise Lightfoot from Chicago, who is a very high uh, – you know, on the Ohio State recruiting board. He was in town, really good. And I, I was really struck by uh, this kid, Javon Hammonds from Wayne High School in Huber Heights. I saw him play against Springfield last year, and the kid had like six sacks and two forced fumbles and just completely dominated the game. But he's sort of floating along under the radar recruiting-wise, and I don't know why, because he's six foot four and a half, 235 pounds, and moves really, really well. I gotta get a drink of water. I have yeah, grab one. You guys, uh, don't power, do don't power through. You it's guys, okay. Do you just disappear for a second, Bill. You actually got to see good quarterback play, right? I did, but funny enough, like I would say that that the lack of receivers at the Elite Eleven like makes it a little hard for, for to get an evaluation. Like guys were throwing balls on the money that were just hitting off of hands and landing on the turf. And when you're there, when you're there watching it in person, like you have an appreciation for how good the throw was. But if I'm like shooting video on my phone and then like I tweet it out and someone just sees the ball on the turf, like they assume it was a bad throw. And that happened. That happened a lot. I don't know who the the receivers were who were there. I'm assuming maybe they were just kids from from the from the area who they said they want to come catch some footballs. And they did. And like they were they were not all bad. And I guess they probably caught most of them. But. Um, it doesn't do the quarterbacks a, a ton of service when they're throwing really good passes that are hitting off of hands and landing on the ground. So um, I was able to see past that, and, and I thought that the quarterback play there was quite good from from the people that uh, most Ohio State fans would be interested in. Um, the most impressive guy there was C.J. Carr, the Notre Dame commit in 2024. He's the grandson of uh, Lloyd Carr, the former Michigan coach. He goes to high school in Ann Arbor and is not going to Michigan, funny enough. Um, but he is – very good. And he was the only player there who earned an invite to the Elite 11 finals. Um, that doesn't really say anything about the the guys that are in the state in 25 and 26 because they're not eligible to get invited to the Elite 11 finals. They're still, the 25 guys are still a year away from that. But like CJ Carr, like set the bar very high for that camp. There wasn't really anybody else there who was on his level just yet. I was hopeful that Bryce Underwood, who's also from Michigan, would show up, but he didn't. Um, the number one quarterback in the class of 2025. Um, would have been cool to see him go head to head with CJ and, and maybe set the bar for the guys in the 2025 class, but he didn't, he didn't show up for some reason. And now like looking at the regionals, I'm not sure where he's going to go because there's not another one in the Midwest. I guess he could like go to Atlanta or something if he wants to, but um, that was a little bit of a bummer that he wasn't there. I was hoping that he'd be like a surprise addition or something, but he wasn't, but um, it was still good to see the the guys from Ohio throw it around, especially because like if you go to these summer camps at OSU, these guys are there. So now you see them in June. You throw, you like keep tabs a little bit with them on high school, and now you can see them on the other side of their sophomore high school seasons, I guess, and, and see how much they improve. And I thought both those guys did, did improve. You know, last year at the Massillon camp, uh, we got a chance to see Colin Hurley from Jacksonville, uh, you know, Trinity Christian down there, who ended up 
committed to LSU and now reclassified into the class of 2024. He was actually supposed to be at Rivals camp today and didn't make it. So he was like the one quarterback that everyone kind of was waiting to show up, um, and he wasn't there. So I think your point about the receivers is well made, though. The reality is most of these young guys, they bring in volunteers from around the area, as you mentioned, and they're not used to playing catch with quarterbacks that can throw the ball like Ryan Montgomery can or like Tavian St. Clair can. So all of a sudden, the ball gets on them a whole lot faster than they're used mm-hmm. to, and they look like they haven't played catch before. So um, it's a little unfortunate, but you know that that is the way it goes. The, these events are never really designed for like a total thorough evaluation of football. So it's looking at, you know, even in the Elite Eleven, it's like how do you decide what type of drills you're going to put kids through? How do you replicate game situations? How do you um, you know, force their minds to work quickly. I assume they did that like field long exercise where they basically run them, you know, 80 yards and go spot to spot. Like the, you know, they start at like the 20 and they keep moving down the field and then they throw it. No, nope, they didn't do that. <laughs> that it was, it was, they, they, they did less than I thought they would. It was like, and I, I said this to you, Burn, before we started recording. I think there are too many kids there and, I understand wanting to provide that opportunity for them to say that they competed in the Elite 11 Regional. I also understand that I think they pay money to do it too. So like the more kids you have, the more money you can make. Um, But if they were to cut that field in half, and I think they could have very reasonably, they could have gotten a lot more done. Um, So it was like station to station, um, short to intermediate throws, nothing super long, not a whole lot of movement, um, not a whole lot of like route running from the receivers. It was sort of like... um, mimicking a receiver like being halfway through his route and then you threw him the ball so um it was to your point like it's not it's not the best evaluation space i think for quarterbacks which is why i think they rely so heavily on high school film which is why like everyone knew before they showed up there that cj Carr was going to get his invite to the elite 11 finals as long as he like didn't show up and look like he forgot how to throw a football um and that certainly didn't happen so um it's instructive for sure. Like just to see the ball come off a kid's hand, I think is instructive. But in terms of like mimicking actual things that happen in football, I thought it was a little limited. Yeah. And it's, it's a great opportunity though for Ryan day to see those guys in person and really begin evaluating because what you're going to see over the next two months out of St. Clair and Ryan Montgomery and potentially Jamison Kitna, who's now in Ohio after, you know, coming out of, of Texas, Burles in Texas, where he was dealing Rayola's backup as a freshman out in Jamin, uh, um, in Burleson, and his dad now, John Kitten, is the coach of Dakota East. So those three guys really are going to have an opportunity to compete multiple times for that one spot pretty much at Ohio State. Um, the Buckeyes are very much desiring a in-state quarterback on the roster, someone that they feel like can you know, develop over three or four years and not feel like they have to rush them to the field. Uh, so they would love it for it to be one of those guys, and it, this opportunity, that first glimpse of Ryan Day getting to watch them compete side by side should lead into June where it, all those guys, including Bernard, the 2026 from Ashland, uh, will be back. So it is going to be an interesting summer just to watch the development. I, I, I wish I could have seen today, but, you know, I'm also, you know, the biggest thing that I was looking forward to seeing at uh, Rivals Cincinnati was 2026 wide receiver Chris Henry. And he didn't show up because the weather was so cold that a lot of kids canceled last last minute or last night because it was like 38 degrees all day. Uh, and <laughs> not exactly ideal for going out there and playing. That's Midwest football weather, baby. 
Yeah, when you have pads on and heaters and jackets, not when you're wearing tights. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> cold, um, which was great for the offensive linemen and defensive linemen, as I said. Like, there were some really good players in that group, uh, 2026 um, uh, offensive lineman from Cast Tech in Detroit. Uh, Khalif Canty is his name, freshman, who was probably, uh, you know, one of the two or three best offensive linemen that was there today. Um, Mark A for Ohio State commit did not show up. He, he had to cancel last minute. Um, Luke Hamilton was on the on the registration list. The Michigan commit did not show up. Like so, none of the the really the battles you were looking forward to seeing transpired. So it was good to just watch some of the younger guys do their their stuff. And I'm telling you, if Ohio State was in a position in the class of 2024 to take like eight offensive linemen, there's another set of twins in the state of Ohio down in Cincinnati at Christian Hills uh, Academy. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Christian Hills, Christian Academy, I don't know, something, one of the, CHCA, whatever it's called. Uh, Mercer Linowski, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct, is like a 6'7", 300-pound offensive tackle. He was really good. He was the MVP of the offensive lineman, and he's a 2024, and I think this is a kid that you wish you could just have unlimited scholarships because in four years from now, this kid's going to end up at like Michigan State or Kentucky or somewhere like that probably. And he's going to be an NFL draft pick, and I just you just know it. And it's going to be one of those things people look back at and go, "Oh, why didn't the Buckeyes take this guy?" But like, <laughs> he's just not there yet. But you can see all of the parts, and you just wish that there was an opportunity to to you know take a developmental guy or two. Like, you just can't take developmental guys at Ohio State anymore, though. And that's really the problem when it comes to the the level that Ohio State is now at in a recruiting battle. Like, no one has the patience for them to take three stars sort of what got them into this situation on the offensive line in the first place though so um if the situation was different now maybe the uh, recruiting approach could be bill one of my favorite things to do when i go to these camps and rj is throwing is just watch how uh ryan closely he watches how hard he coaches him Um, (laughs) that's different obviously at elite 11 probably than what he can do uh, when they're in the woody in june and july did you watch him much reacting uh, to watching his son throw? You know, he wasn't yeah, yeah, I was, but he wasn't really reacting a ton. It was it was different than when I guess like the other times we see that is when it's like Ohio State camps and like Ryan Day is like helping run the camp and it's a different dynamic, like you said. Um Ryan Day was just like standing there with his phone out, like recording his son, like every other dad there, which is actually kind of he was standing in a different spot. He got VIP access. He could go stand on the other side of the field, away from all the uh the people who were behind the yellow tape on, on the opposite wall. Um but yeah, he was just sort of like watching and taking video. He uh, Kirk Herbstreit was there because uh, his son Chase is a quarterback at St. X uh, in the class of 2025, I think. And, and Chase was working out. So like Ryan spent a lot of time talking with Kirk Herbstreit, I think mostly so people would not come up to him and try, try to strike up a conversation with him, which was a pro move. Um, but he wasn't like um, like super demonstrative or like really coaching up RJ. I think he was kind of letting RJ do his thing and then mostly cataloging. Uh, I'm assuming for the rest of the family to watch when they got home later, they can watch the videos on Ryan's cell phone of RJ throwing it around. I hope he didn't accidentally get film of the other quarterbacks there. Really good uh, using the rules. Yeah, I, I will say like it. I, I actually don't think he was. Um, I think it was like a sincere like father-son moment where he was just recording his son throwing the football. Well, we've seen Tony Alford at a few of the Under Armour camps in the last two years because his son Braylon is, you know, a, a wide receiver prospect at the uh, Dublin Jerome, I think. Jerome? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I was actually surprised he wasn't at the Rivals camp. 
Um, Steve Clickscale, Michigan's defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach, his son was on the registration list down there. Um, he's been sort of a, a thorn in the side of the Ohio State recruiting efforts, especially in that area uh, for Aaron Scott, the defensive back from Springfield, who I already mentioned. So I didn't see Coach Clickscale, but it, it is interesting nonetheless that uh, these guys are finding these loopholes to make sure that they're around. I remember Brian Harson from Auburn was at one last year. Columbus camp for uh, Under Armour. Like, huh, weird. Your kid's like a 2029. <laughs> You're going to start camp. seeing college coaches like adopt uh, like seventh and eighth graders just so they can go to these camps. Not a bad idea. <laughs> I can't believe it didn't work out for Brian Harson. He just had a great mind for it. Hmm. I guess that's yeah. not the only thing that determines success as a college football coach. No, it's not. Mm. Uh, but it is a hefty portion of it for sure. <laughs> and learning how to you know, matriculate your way around the rule book is uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Seems like Austin's frozen. Uh-huh. And that's what happens sometimes in the world we live in when you're doing things on the internet, Bill. So as you're there in, in Maslin, were you taken aback at just like, how crazy it is that that's a high school football facility yes i've been there a couple times um at the stadium like paul brown stadium to cover like state playoffs and state championships but i've never been in the indoor field i didn't know that it was a full hundred yard indoor field i thought it was like a half field like there's some like there's nfl teams that don't have full hundred yard indoor fields like the there's one in cincinnati yeah (laughs) the Bengals don't have one but maslin's got and there's like a basketball tournament going on there too so like half the building was like a million little kids playing basketball, and then the elite level was happening in this full hundred yard indoor turf field. Um, pretty ridiculous. Um, I don't, I don't think there's another indoor high school facility in the state. And I know, like, people talk a lot about whether or not there should be spring football in Ohio. I think it'd be a lot easier to sell if there were more facilities like that around, around the state, like Maslin has. Well, I mean, when we were at at Witten Woods, there were people going out, calling and saying, "Oh, they're up at they're up at Maslin. They're indoors. I'm sure there's no cameras there, so you could probably practice whenever you want, all the time, if you really wanted to, because who's going to know?" So, um, you know, it, it is more obvious to me every time we see these camps in Ohio how much of a disservice the state is doing to its prospects by not allowing a full spring practice schedule like most of the other states around the country are. And how much these players are hurt by the fact that they don't have an active seven on seven availability like Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, et cetera, do. Like the development, like that's why most of these times when these camps happen in the Midwest, the conversation almost always centers around offensive linemen and defensive linemen because they have enough. Those guys are, you know, the, the grinders, they stand out in these moments because. Uh, they are are just a little bit further ahead for some reason than skill players because a lot of the skill players around this neck of the woods is playing basketball all year round instead of football. And they're, it, it's it's just a shocking to me that the state is still not allowing it, but that's a digression. Uh, Austin, before you went into the depths of, of internet uh, frozen zone, what were you going to say? <sighs> Who cares? <I> don't <laughs> uh, Ryan Day has been way more... Uh, outspoken and vocal about the need for that. Uh, he talked about that with uh, during the Ohio State Coaches Clinic a couple weeks ago when Bill and I were there. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say that it's falling on deaf ears, but I don't know 
ultimately who's going to make that decision. It doesn't seem like uh, the OHSAA or coaches in other sports or whoever else are, are willing to all get on the same page. And as you said, like it's to the detriment of these kids who are trying to make college football or make football their, their pathway to college and that education, if not the NFL. Very few of them are going to reach that level. We know that that's the case. But uh, the opportunity compared to kids in the states that you mentioned, like Texas, when we when we went down there and saw like full-scale spring practices uh, a couple years ago uh, when we were uh, talking to Quinn Ewers, like their full team is out there. Like they can still do track if they want, like they or play baseball. Like it's like a couple days a week for 15 practices. It's, you're not – it doesn't seem like it's too difficult to schedule that and allow them to do other things. They're not trying to get them ready for a game the same way that Ohio State spring ball is about uh, development and skills and fundamentals and not putting in game plans. Uh, it, it's it's really unfortunate because over four years, that's 60 days of practice. You say, well, man, that's not a big deal. It is for 15, to 17, 15 16, 17-year-olds to get better at football. That is an opportunity that is being taken away from them and you can understand why when Ohio State, like they they really want to take in-state kids and guys who want to be Buckeyes. Like We all know that. It's not some conscious effort to not do it and prefer to be a national brand. But when they're trying to win national championships and they're looking at kids who've got essentially an extra year's worth of practices compared to the others, like that, that's hard to turn down. And I don't, again, I don't know who's got to make the final call and lead that change, but I know that Ryan Day is increasingly pushing for it to happen. I, mean, I think Urban, uh, Meyer, Urban Meyer tried, Jim Trestle tried. It just seems like there I don't is a think, pushback I don't, from, from coaches. Sorry, Burma. I don't think Urban was, I think he was more hesitant to ruffle the feathers of the Ohio State uh, high school coaches. At Probably. the end of the tenure, I think he he started to recognize that and maybe embrace that but like i remember going to those coaches clinics and it was just like we thank you so much for whatever you're doing and this is great and ryan day does that too but i he's also taking it a little bit further with like we really need this and if you want your players to get stronger consideration to get buckeye scholarship offers and come here you might want to give this another thought they are they did move up the window a little bit so like it used to be you couldn't do anything until june 1 now i think it's like may 15th you can start doing some seven on seven and team camp stuff um talking to some people at the elite 11 wink uh they seem pretty excited about that idea and uh and that it could be a step in the right direction towards getting a more robust spring football operation going in the state um there's a lot of pushback on that i think because of like other sports and and i i do think it is different like like in Texas and Georgia and Florida and wherever you can start the other spring sports earlier than you can start them in Ohio. Like you can't start running track in Ohio in, in February. You, you just can't do it or it's, it's like unreliable. So the, they overlap a little more. There's a tighter window to get it done here than, than there are other places, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. And I think it's a good sign that they've at least like the coaches association has given in a little bit here to, to let the window move up to the middle of May. Um, I don't know. I think like to, if you're worried about the dual sport athletes, I think the kids that want to be dual sport athletes will figure out a way to do it. And a lot of players probably will just decide they just want to stick to football anyway. So like why deny them that opportunity? Like a kid like Tavian St. Clair, 
who I was talking to at the Elite 11, like he gave up playing ba- baseball, even though he said it was his first love. He just realized like there's a much more potentially lucrative future for him playing football. So he's like dedicated himself to football, but he doesn't really have the opportunities outside of the season to really actually play football. And I think like for a kid like that, that would be tremendous. He's to his credit. He's done a lot of work to become, I think, a better player over these last nine months despite that but just imagine how how much a player like him or like anyone in the state who wants to go on that path could could improve if they had what you guys are talking about like they have in texas or or in georgia it's like real actual football football practice in, in the spring they don't need to play games but like padded practices go a long way i think in helping that right and the evaluation period has to be in may for kids to be evaluated because that's when the ncaa recruiting window started april 16th ends may 29th or may 31st so like if you're not moving those up, you're absolutely limiting your opportunity for kids to be exposed to college coaches. So I'm glad they're taking those steps, but it feels like a half measure in some ways, but a half measure is better than no measure uh, at the point. And, and it feels a little bit like Ohio State in the NIL space. Like they're just kind of just a one toe in the water and seeing if it feels okay and then waiting to put the, the whole foot in while if you look around the country, the rest of the, the leagues, the rest of the states are in there frolicking, swimming and playing with beach balls. So it's like it's like, yeah, I don't know if you I don't know how long you can wait until you just push everyone in the pool and say, let's figure it out. Um, clearly, no one wants to force kids to have to choose one or the other. But your point about St. Clair is is the point. Like if he decided to play baseball, number one, Tavian uh, play, being a pitcher might be a more lucrative future than being a quarterback if you do it right. Um, but he's throwing 91, 92 miles an hour as a high school sophomore. He can play baseball in Ohio all year, anytime he wants, anywhere he wants. You can play fall ball. You can play winter ball. You can play summer ball. You can play uh, spring ball for your for your high school. Like, why can't you find a way to implement some of that for football players? It's the only sport in of all of the major sports in Ohio that doesn't have that availability. Basketball is played year round. You know, uh, tennis you can play whenever. Uh, you can do everything else. There, there's winter track. There's spring track. Like, you can do everything else all the time. The why is football put on, in a, such a weird space? I don't particularly understand. Well, it's a good thing we didn't have uh, Bobby Carpenter on right now for the podcast daily because then this episode would go for another two hours. But he will be with us later on at Roosters for the live show uh, as we get back uh, the crew together uh, for a conversation about the Buckeyes probably. We'll another look back at the spring game and then some starting to talk about the NFL draft on Thursday night. We'll have a lot of thoughts on that over the next couple of days. Uh, and we'll try to keep... Uh, uh, there'll also be Burns written content. I don't know what Bill's cooking up from his trip up there, but th- that will all be at ohiostate.rivals.com, so look for that. Uh, and then we'll catch you all here, right back here tomorrow. Maybe I'll have working internet. Maybe I won't. Who knows? That's the real fun of getting this together every day right now for the podcast daily. But for Bill and Berm, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later.